With this daf, we complete the third pedic. We're on the, the Mishnah that was talking about the various praises of the greatness of the mitzvah of Berit Milah. And from there, we discussed why it, one of them was that Berit Milah is so important that even Moshe's life was threatened for delaying the Berit Milah. And so now we're going to pick up on that and continue more about that story. At the time that Moshe delayed in doing B'dit Milah, we mentioned yesterday that he was uh, he wanted to figure out a schedule. He figured it's better to travel to um, Mitzrayim immediately and not have to delay by doing B'dit Milah. The problem is then he was dealing with checking into the hotel uh, and did not uh, do B'dit Milah right away. At that time, uh, so these two angels named Af and Hema, anger and wrath, came and they swallowed up Moshe and they only left dangling out his legs. Some say that his legs here is a euphemism for his Birit Mila uh, organ. Miyad vatikach siporasor vatichrot et orlat benaha. Miyad vayiref mimenu. And that's how when Siporah saw that, that she got the hint and says, Oh, why is this happening to my husband? It must be because of the Misvah Berit Milah that her son, their son, did not have. And so she immediately took a flintstone and she performed the Berit Milah on her son. And then the two angels, Af and Haima, let Moshe go. And then Moshe wanted to get back at these two angels for almost eating him. And so he wanted to kill Af and Haima. That's where we got these, the names of these angels. Um, they're uh, representing the attributes of uh, anger and wrath. Um, so anger and wrath, this will be, you know, equivalent to Satan, equivalent to the, the accusers. If something's doing, someone, someone, someone's doing something wrong, so then they deserve punishment. So they deserve wrath. They deserve anger. So they came against Moshe because he was lazy in, in uh, performing this mitzvah. So he wanted to get rid of it. And in other words, in a way, to get rid of God's anger, to get rid of Satan, you may say. And some say that he actually not he, he wanted to, but he actually did kill Chema because another pasuk in Yeshaya says Chema is not with me. Uh, the context there is that Hashem uh, is uh, is not uh, is fair, and he will punish those who deserve punishment and will not if they're good. So it's not about anger. Okay, so since it says anger is not there, that means anger is no longer. Wait a second, but how could you say that he actually destroyed anger? But there's another pasuk that says, Moshe says, I was in dread of the anger and wrath. He's talking to Bnei Israel, remembering the, uh, the sin of the golden calf. And I said, Hashem was very angry at Bnei Israel. Moshe says, I was worried about you because of that terrible anger. So we see that 
it, this is way after um, the story in the Malon and anger, Hashem's anger is still around. Uh, so how could that be? So and then one answer is there's two types of anger and Moshe got rid of one, but the other one's still around. Or you might say that's the army of anger is still around. So the angel itself that's in charge of anger is no longer there. But the after effects, the army, uh, does still exist. Okay, so according to this Midrash, um, in a way it could see it as parallel to the bringing out of Hashem's attribute of mercy that Moshe does um, in the Yud Gimel Midot after Chet Egel, And so, um, so pushing down the Hashem's anger or wiping out altogether at least some aspect of Hashem's anger. He will never, never be that angry. Um, uh, but uh, and instead will uh, bring bring forth this uh, Hashem's midat rachamim. Right, there's still wrath. There is still punishment. Doesn't mean that there is no no punishment, no consequences, but that it will be lesser. Now another brayta that. Uh, again, echoes something that was already in the Mishnah. Great is the Mitzvah Brit Milah because there's no one that did Mitzvot more than Avraham. Uh, yet, even Avraham was not called wholehearted until he was about to be given the commandment of Brit Milah. As it says, Hitash in chapter 17, where he is commanded, Brit Milah, first it says, be wholehearted, and the next pasuk is, here's the Brit, and uh, talking about circumcision. Um, so yes, even though he was teaching his children, and even though it said that he follows Torah Mistvotai, and nevertheless, it's this, it's the Brit Milah that makes him wholehearted. Uh, another interpretation is great as Milah because it is equivalent to all of the commandments in the Torah. The proof is from this Pasuk, you actually need the full Pasuk in order to understand it. Uh, write down these words because based on these words so these words is what is Moshe writing the whole Torah and based on this, these words the whole Torah I made this Berit so you see it's connecting the entire Torah is equivalent to as uh, equal to the Berit Milah Berit here referring to Berit Milah so that's how we know that Berit Milah is equal to all of the misvot. Or another interpretation again that we already saw in the Mishnah is that great is Milah. If not for the Berit of Milah, the entire heavens and earth would not exist. As Yeremiah said, if not for my Berit, then uh, um, uh, then heavens and earth I uh, would not have appointed. Um, the previous derasha is in conflict with that of Rabbi Eli Ezer because he quotes the same pasuk, but he says that Beriti here is not referring to Berit Milah specifically, but rather to the Berit of the Torah. The entire Torah is the contract of a Berit, and if not for the Torah, 
the heavens and earth would not be sustained, according to the same pasuk. Back to the pasuk that was given, told to Avraham right before Brit Milah, when Hashem called in Avraham to his office and said, walk before me and be wholehearted, Avraham was trembling with fear. He's like, maybe I did something wrong. You know, if you tell someone, you should, uh, you know, I, I expect you to uh, be on time. It means what? Am I always late? Right? So if he's saying be wholehearted, it means that it sounds like Hashem is telling Abraham, you haven't been wholehearted, you've been doing something wrong. So he was trembling. Once Hashem said, I'm going to make this covenant, this berit, and by doing berit meila, then you'll be wholehearted, then his mind was set at ease. Not that he did anything wrong beforehand, but he was not yet, he didn't yet have the opportunity to uh, show his uh, commitment through this berit meila, that now, once he does it, he'll be wholehearted. So we saw that this is not a, a complaining about what he did in the past, but rather an opportunity for this great mitzvah. We're continuing, we're going to be continuing for a while. Uh, this whole uh, a series of agadot about Abraham, uh, that Hashem took him outside. Um, and uh, gave him a promise that your 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 descendants will be as great as the stars. And he, so at that time, Abraham says, I looked at, what do, what do you mean look outside, look at the stars? He says, I looked at my constellation, and I saw, he knew some astrology, uh, he looked at his sign, and he says, it, it says in the stars, I'm going to have only one son, and uh, that would be only Ishmael, so that's it, I'm not going to have another another child. And Hashem says, Hashem said, get out of your astrology. The constellations are not effective upon uh, the Jewish people, right? You don't, you're not under the influence of astrology. According to this Agadah, astrology works, it's out there, and that's good for everybody else. So everyone else has to go through the intermediary of astrology. They're controlled by, 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 the, by the stars and constellations. But not you, Yisrael, you answer directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and uh, therefore are controlled by HaKadosh Baruch Hu directly, and you don't have to go through those intermediaries. So forget about what the stars say. It's like if, you know, some deputy... Uh, minister tells you such and such, but the prime minister tells you otherwise, so you know that the prime minister can overrule. A beautiful statement. Anyone who conducts, conducts himself wholeheartedly, and that means, wholeheartedly means, that he has uh, exclusive devotion to the, the Creator and doesn't pay attention to subluminaries, other angels, other I, I, idols, foreign worship, all that. He forgets about all kinds of magical and magic and sorcery. He just uh, says, Hashem, I'm in your hands. Um, that and uh, is wholehearted in that way. If he does that, then and as midah keneged midah, Hashem will act with him in a wholehearted way and give him uh, his his personal attention. As the pasuk says, with someone de with devout, uh, you you, you you treat them devoutly. With someone who is strong and wholehearted, Hashem will uh, will act with them in a wholehearted way.
אמר רבי יהושע, כל המטמים עצמו שעה עומדת לו, שנאמר לי, תלך לפניי והיה תמים, וכתיב, היית לאב המון גויים. Anyone acts wholeheartedly, um, the hour will be with him. In other words, he will have good luck. And uh, you don't have to uh, go and uh, seek out good luck charms in order to have good luck. It's the opposite. Um, as, and we see this from the Pasuk and the beginning of chapter 17. It says, be wholehearted. And right after that, it says, you will be the father of many nations, right? So you see, don't worry about the stars. If you just do what's right, then everything will work out. And the opposite is true also. Anyone who goes and follows some sorcery and tries to use nichush, uh, uh, astrology, some, you know, looking for signs, tea leaves, however it is, then lo nachash, for him, there will be divination. In other words, if you want to go down that system and, uh, and uh, interact with the world, through sorcery, then that sorcery will work. You know, is that really what you want? Instead of ignoring, you have an open channel uh, to the prime minister, and you say instead, you say, no, I'm going to work the system. I'm going to lobby the 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 uh, you know the the lower um, uh, deputies and the secretary here and all that. Um, so fine, if you want, if you don't want that direct connection and you want the magic and you want to go through magic, fine. Then the magic will control you. That it will be its own punishment. How do we know this? Um, from uh, Bil'am, who, who says, as a, uh, a curse turned into blessing to Yisrael, he says there is no divination with Jacob. But we're reading the law, not as Lamed Aleph, but Lamed Vav, ki law nachash b'yakov, right? That if you if someone does nachash, then it'll be law to him. We ask, veha b'lamed alif kiti, but it's written lamed alif, not lamed vav. So how could you say, how could you read it that this is a punishment that lo nachash ki lo if you are nachash b'yakov rather it's not because of this pasuk but rather because of the general if we if we are tamim and go to Hashem directly wholeheartedly then we will have that access and Hashem will give special attention to us if instead we follow nichush then fine Hashem will not have give us that direct attention uh, but that will be the measure for measure that we will be subject to the whims of the those uh, other forces. Anyone who does not follow uh, divination, sorcery, he will have direct access instead to his creator. What kind of direct access are we talking about? Yes, he can even enter inside the inner chamber, even where the angels themselves, the ministering angels, cannot enter. How do we know that? Actually, here also we'll need the full pasuk to understand it. Right, so there is no no augury in Jacob, no divining in Israel, and Jacob is told at once Israel what is told what God has planned. So you see that um, if you if uh, the person that really wants to know what's the future going to hold for me, what is God planning, and you try to go through uh, side channels, uh, stars to find out, then you're gonna you're not going to find out much. 
um, and then you'll be subject to those forces. But if you don't do any of that and just do the straight and narrow, just do what's right, um, that, that is actually the better way, and then you'll know even better, be closer, even than the angels. We just talked about the great praise of Abraham, but for what reason was Abraham punished uh, that his descendants would have to be slaves for 210 years? This 210 is not, the Torah says, 430 um, in Sefer Shemot, uh, 400 before the Ambit Ben Abitarim, the 210 is calculated based on the uh, the generations that are listed in the gene in the genealogy in beginning uh, uh, towards the beginning of Shemot, where it lists those four generations. You add up the numbers, and it's 210 years. Okay, so we'll pick the shorter one for now. And so, why why were they uh, punished? Why was his descendants punished to be slaves in Egypt for 210 years? Maybe because he, uh, Angaria means he made a draft of the Torah scholars when he had to go out into war um, the, 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 against, the, against the other kings uh, to save Lot. He took his, uh, his men and says he took the trained men born in his house. Now, uh, simple reading just sounds like these are his people that work for him. Uh, you know, they do uh, business, whatever they do. But this Midrash says they were Torah scholars who were studying Torah. And he diverted them from learning Torah to go into war. And this was, uh, this was why he was deserving of punishment. Right? If they're devoted to Torah, then that's the highest calling, and he should have uh, allowed them to do that. I guess this would be a good source for those studying in Kolel that want to uh, get out of the draft. Okay, but Shemuel said, no, that is not the reason, but rather because he uh, exaggerated, went too far in questioning the uh, the characteristics of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shneemar. He asked God, how do I know? I want a sign, I want a guarantee that uh, I will have, uh, I, I will inherit, and I will have someone to give my inheritance uh, to pass on to. So, you know, it's okay to um, uh, ask, uh, you know, I'm just curious, so who is it, it going to go to? But um, Abraham went too far in challenging uh, God's promise. Or a third opinion, what Abraham did wrong, um, is uh, that he prevented people from coming and uh, entering the wings of the of divine presence of converting and joining his group. This is because after his uh, his battle with Saddam and the king of Saddam says, give me the people, I want the, the captives, and you take the money, he told Avraham. And then Avraham answers and says, I'm not going to take anything from you, right? Not even a shoelace, you keep everything. So what Avraham could have done is said, listen, I don't want anyone to say that you made me rich, so I'm not going to take the money, but how about give me some of the people, and that way Abraham had the opportunity to take some of these people and bring them into his household, and he could, he would have then taught them the, the ways of the ways of Hashem, and they would have entered into the divine presence and been and uh, been, been good. So you had an opportunity to do that, and instead he didn't, and they went and they stayed with Sodom and ended up being evil. 
So um, this was a lost opportunity of Avraham to bring and convert those people. Back to the pasuk that he um, he led these trained men that were born in his house uh, to go to war. So lehorik uh, le, uh, literally means to pour. So either that he poured, showered them with Torah. Right? He gave that. That's the, that follows what we just said that these were Torah scholars. Shemuel said he gave them lots of gold. He showered them with gold so that they would go to war and uh, that's the opinion of Shemuel which I guess makes sense because he was also the one that didn't say that they were sages um, that Torah scholars that he uh, he left that was not his sin according to Shemuel Shemuel rather was about the questioning and so it's going to Shemuel it's not that these were Torah sages they were whatever whoever they were and he paid them to go and go to war with him. And it says there that Abraham took 318 men. That's how, that's the number of people that he brought with his army. Even though he had 318 people, his servant Eliezer was equivalent to all. He was so strong, powerful, courageous, he was able to. Uh, uh, outweigh, uh, equalize the 318 altogether. Other people say the whole 318 was not 318, it was only Eliezer, the gematria of the word Eliezer is 318. So he didn't have a whole army of 318 people, it was just, just Eliezer, but he was so strong. He was like a whole army. Uh, Abraham, even though he grew in, uh, you know, without knowledge of God, but he was three years old and he already looked out and philosophized and figured out that his uh, uh, belief in his creator. How do you know that? Because it says, Ayakiv, because Abraham listened to my voice. Now, Hushbene me'avishivim utren. The gematria of Ekev is 172. Abraham, his total life was 175. So that means for 172 years, he, Hashem, uh, Abraham listened to Hashem's voice and followed all the mitzvot. So that leaves only three years in which he didn't. Which three years? Means his first three years of life, he didn't yet know. But as soon as he was somewhat cognizant and already starting to speak, he could he figured it out. It wasn't that hard to figure out. Hey, the world is here. There's got to be a creator. And he came to that on his own at three years old. There are other versions of the Midrash that say he was not three, but rather, rather that he was 40 years old. That's one that Rambam actually chooses in his uh, summary of this. Uh, uh, so Rami Bar Abba said that the Satan um, is Gematria 364. Well, that's significant because it's the same as the number of the days of a solar year, 365, um, minus 1. So that significance of that is that the Satan, the Yeser Hara, is dominant 
it every day of the year except for Yom Kippur, then he takes a break. Avram uh, has two names, Avram, and then he had his added a he, Avraham. So uh, the gematria of, of Avram is uh, 243. And so at first, when it was only Avraham, um, Hashem made enthroned Avraham as a ruler over only 240 limbs. Uh, that was it. Only Avraham can control all of them, but there were still a few left over. But when he got the extra hair, now he was able to rule over all of his 248 limbs. This is after he got the Berit Milah. What are the missing limbs? And they are the two eyes, the two ears, and the tip of the male organ. The point is that the Berit Milah uh, is, uh, helps one to uh, stay away from material sexual desires and eyes and ears that will um, look lot, lot, lot look after them, desire them, and uh, cause him to follow those. So Brit Mila is a protection that will um, allow a person to control all of the limbs of his body. Okay, now we have a nice derasha of a couple of pesukim in Kohelet. Uh, let's look at them inside so we see the context. Uh, so here it says, There was a little city that had just a few men in it. Then a great enemy king came and built siege against it. Sababota banale mesodim gedolim came to attack it. But in the city was a poor but wise man. And he saved the city with his wisdom. Right? Amazingly, even though there are just a few people, but he had such great wisdom. He succeeded in saving the city. Yet, even though he was the, he saved the day, nobody remembered him because he was a poor, uh, poor person, and they forgot about his contribution in saving the city. Okay, here they uh, translate. Maybe who might have saved the city, but no one thought of him. Uh, but the midrash is going to take it uh, literally. He did save the city, and even though he did all that good, right? That's what happens. The person who comes up with the plan. Uh, but then, you know, some other uh, yo-yo takes credit for it and everybody forgets the original poor guy who actually helped them save it in the first place. All right, all this is an allegory. What is this referring to? The small city is referring to the human body. There's a few people in it. That is the, those are a person's limbs. A big, a great enemy, king, came and surrounded the uh, the city. This is the evil inclination that's always 
um, tempting a person to go and do bad. And built uh, the Yetzer Hara, built all of these siege works against it to conquer this little city. And these are the sins that are constantly trying to um, get a person to fall by doing the sins. But in the city, there was a poor wise man. Yetzer HaTov is not as, uh, as powerful, doesn't seem at least as powerful um, but a small uh, inclination but very wise and that wise uh, man if only you listen to it has the power to save the whole city through uh, through teshuva and good deeds but the person forgot about this uh, little this little guy maybe actually Mizash is uh, is is uh, translating it um, like the note in the JPS that there was a person who could have saved uh, who might uh, like they like they translate here who might have saved the city right and so yes it has the the power if you'd only listen to the white wisdom of that little guy um, you can save the city um, but uh, people don't pay attention if a person does not does not pay attention to it then it won't help why wouldn't someone pay attention to it because at the time that the Yetzer Hara is uh, is is overpowering a person uh, he, he, no one remembers the either good inclination right when a person is already uh, giving in to temptation and sin then that's it the good inclination there is is, is gone is not in their minds anymore and therefore can not save them okay but if they if they do pay attention then they can be saved so there is uh, even though it seems he seems small um, but he has the wisdom and has a strategy to overcome the great and powerful evil king outside now we mentioned Kohelet, yet another Pasuk in Kohelet that says a wisdom is a stronghold to the wise men and it's better than ten rulers that are in the city. Wisdom is better than ten rulers. Uh, good follow-up to the Pesukim before. What do you mean wisdom is will help the wise person? The wisdom is the ability to make Teshuvah and do good deeds. And how, what's that? It's better than ten rulers. Who are the ten rulers that's better than? That's the all the various um, uh, abilities of a person that control that to control his body two eyes, two ears, two hands, two legs, the tip of the male organ, and his mouth. Uh, all the things that someone uses to interact with the world um, that are supposed to be protecting him uh, from any dangers, and usually they do a good job. You know, your eyes, your ears, you see danger, you hear danger, you can use your legs, you run away, and so all those are good, but better than all that is wisdom to know uh, to do good and to repent um, uh, when when the, when you make a mistake. Now we're going to go back to Avraham. 
and his praise and say at first Hashem wanted the ultimate kihuna to come from Shem. Shem is a, another name for Shem is a person. We know Shem the son of Noah but here is being used as a, uh, a nickname for Malkisedek. Malkisedek is associated with Shem. Shem is by Malkisedek and Malkisedek is Shem in this Midrash. Okay so he wanted it to come from Malkisedek would be he, he says he after all, he is the first person to be called the Kohen to, uh, to, to God Apai. Uh, to be Kohen, the word Kohen literally means to minister to. So he and his descendants were going to be the Kohanim. However, but Malkisedek made a mistake when he was blessing Avraham, which was a very nice blessing. He had a problem. First, he blessed Avraham, and only then he blessed the he blessed God. Malkisedek blessed Avraham, and here's what he said: First, he blessed Avraham. It's true, he blessed Avraham. Uh, in the name of the uh, the highest God who owns, who creates heaven and earth. And only then, so it's true, he did mention other praises, but still it was all directed to Avraham. And then after that he says, oh, and also, by the way, uh, blessed is Hashem the Most High. That's not proper. You're supposed to first bless Hashem and then you bless the human being. So because of that, Amad Avraham, so, um, so Abraham told uh, told Melchizedek, is that proper what you did? Should a servant, uh, should one bless a servant before blessing the master, right? And I, Abraham, am only a servant, so first you should bless Hashem, and then, then only afterwards should Melchizedek have blessed Abraham. So because of that mistake, Miyad Netanal Abraham, Shneeman Um Hashem Ladoni so immediately Hashem changed his mind and said, I'm going to give the kehuna to the descendants of Avraham. As it says in Tehilim Kof Yod, um, Hashem told, uh, this uh, would be David say, saying in this Tehilim that Hashem said uh, to Avraham, come sit at my right. Uh, until I make your enemies your footstool. And right after that, in that same is more, but Reketiv Nishpa Hashem Veloyinachem Ata Kohen Leolam Aldi Brati Malki Sedek Aldi Boroshel Malki Sedek. And so when Hashem tells Avraham, come sit on my right, and then Hashem swears that. And he's not going to change his mind that you, Avraham, are going to be the ancestor of the Kohanim forever. Why? Because of the statement of Malkisedek, because of what Malkisedek said, because he made a, bl a blessing. And it was a very nice blessing, but he changed the order and he put Avraham, he's kind of flattering a human being before Hashem. So because of that, Malkisedek lost his chance and uh, to be the ancestor of the Kohanim. And we can make a, a, an inference because it says that Malkisedek says he was a 
priest to the highest God, but that means he was, but his descendants would not be, would be taken from him, and eventually go to Abraham, eventually to Levi, to Aharon, who would be the Kohanim ever, uh, ever after. And so this is yet another way in which Abraham Avinu was blessed. Hadran Alach Arba'a Nedarim.